Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. I'm your host, Zach Geist. This show is made possible by Student Loan Tutor, which you can find at studentloantutor.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment and give us a review. Thank you. Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist and Madeline, soon to be Madeline Geist. <laughs> She'll have break both the E-I rule, I-E, I before oh, E except I after C that. for your first <laughs> and your last name. Today we have Tyler Blank. Hello. And uh, Tyler Blank uh, is the uh, essentially co-founder of the ecstatic dance movement as it is known now as ecstatic dance, the founder of uh, ecstaticdance.org. Uh, Ecstatic Dance Oakland Wednesday Nights, which is, I think, one of the highly most highly attended dances in the world, and uh, Ecstatic Dance San Francisco, and Ecstatic Dance Fairfax. As some of our uh, my DJ friends and artists, fr- musician friends say, uh, Tyler with the Ecstatic Enterprises. <laughs> so we got Tyler Blank on the on the podcast. I'm in his uh, tiny home here in Fairfax. I said he has the biggest front and back and uh, circular yard because he's surrounded by beautiful nature. He knows how to uh, live the sensuous life in the fullest way possible, uh, having a lot of leisure time, a lot of... Uh, oh, of yeah, tons of, of leisure, leisure time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> doing nothing out here. <laughs> doing nothing. Hanging out the mini mansion. <laughs> and dancing uh, when you're not hanging out in of the course. mini mansion. Yes. It is kind of a mini mansion, though. Truly. I mean, this it's is gorgeous. like... He built it. This is you, he also built this in all of his leisure time. He uh, he, he built this <laughs> tiny home, and uh, and I and I think and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible is that it's through when we create more space that we're able to live more intelligently with nature. And I think that this tiny home is a reflection of that, as well as the way that your lifestyle is designed around freedom of movement and community. And uh, that's really uh, the surprising thing that I've discovered through ecstatic dance is the shift in my consciousness that has happened through how I feel in my body, what I really want to feel and what I want to move towards, and uh, how I connect with other people in a nonverbal way. And it also enhances the way I verbally connect with them as well. So uh, That's awesome. Sounds like you're getting it. I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I... I, I had Tyler on this podcast today because uh, I feel that ecstatic dance by nature doesn't have a lot of dialogue around it. There's no talking on the dance floor. And uh, and after you're done dancing, something happens called dance brain, especially when you're in ecstatic states of consciousness where you'll forget your water bottle and your car and all mm-hmm. sorts of the person you came there with. Our lost and found is huge. <laughs> it's yeah. gigantic. Yeah, yeah. Like you'll never need to buy a water bottle again. If you ever want to never buy a water bottle again, a bottle again, volunteer or start an ecstatic dance. You will for sure have a plethora of them. That's why one of our taglines is find yourself dancing. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, you'll lose everything else, yeah. but you may find yourself. <laughs> and, uh, t- 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 <laughs> so I met Tyler, it's been almost uh, four years ago before I proverbially met him over the over an email. Uh, I had moved for, uh, to Salt Lake City, Utah from the Bay Area where I was born and raised. And uh, I had went to this thing called Ecstatic Dance. It was this thing that I, I went to you know, twice a week uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays. And then I also went to something called Soul Motion, which is how I heard about it on uh, Monday nights in Berkeley. Uh, totally on a whim. It was like I tried everything else and was still miserable. And so I just got to this point in my life where I'm like, do I want to go dance completely sober in a space with a bunch of sweaty people? No. But like, I've tried all the things I think I want to do, so maybe there's something to this thing. Apparently, other people want to go do this. I don't know. And I went, and it was a profound experience for me. I I immediately started to move in a way where I would hear a voice inside my head, not an audible voice, but like a self-dialogue that was like, you can't move like that. Why are you moving like a little fairy, you little sissy? Like, And my own voice beating the crap out of me. And what I realized was that that voice was also blocking my ability to move. Mm. And somehow I had the consciousness to be able to realize that. And I believe that that's why I ended up there. Had I done that sooner, I would have felt, went down a shame spiral. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through a couple of shame spirals through the whole process of becoming more embodied and moving in fluid ways, ways in which, quote unquote, real men aren't supposed to move, according to my own, you know, trained and conditioned Mm -hmm. uh, 
self-dialogue. Right. But we came into contact because I'd moved to Utah and I quickly discovered uh, that without an ecstatic dance, which I didn't see the value of until I really, I mean, I saw some of the value, but it was when I left uh, and I had no dance that I started to see that I was taking on a lot in the world and I had no way to get rid of it. I was mm -hmm. getting deep connections from people that I didn't really think I was because I didn't really meet people and talk afterwards. But I it was feeding some part of my soul that I didn't know it was feeding until I no longer had ecstatic dance. Uh, so I came into contact with Tyler and I ended up saying, hey, I want to start an ecstatic dance here in Salt Lake City. Like, you know, how do I do that? How much does it cost? And uh, and to my surprise, you told me, I don't know, how much how much does it cost to start an ecstatic dance, Tyler? How much do I have to pay Tyler, uh, sorry, ecstatic dance enterprises? <laughs> it's just aloha. I mean, it's how it was given to us. So we asked Hawaii when we first found ecstatic dance on the big island. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't we do this in Oakland? And so we asked the Big Island, and they said, sure, go ahead. Here's how we do it. Uh, here's how we talk to our DJs, our facilitators, our space holders. And uh, they just gave us their blessing. And so when we built ours, when we first had our first dance with like 30 people in a space big enough for 1,200 people, um, <laughs> um you know, it started out slow and it, and it built and then people started asking us, this is amazing. Can we do it in our city? And so we said, sure, here's how we do it. And here's how Hawaii does it. And it just, it just built like that, just free open source dance technology. We like to say. <laughs> I like that. Um, so we're actually headed to the big Island tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. And we're going to be spending the whole winter there. And, uh, it's exciting because Madeline, uh, and I met through Ecstatic Dance, I think at the second ever Ecstatic Dance. And I wanted her to share her story about how she heard about Ecstatic Dance and then how we ended up coming into contact and what she would have done had we not. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that last question. But, um, oh, I would have moved. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I found Ecstatic Dance in Santa Barbara for, with Santa Barbara Dance Tribe, which is a great community mm -hmm. down there. Yep. And I had been taking there over the New Year's of 2016 with two of my best girlfriends. And it was the first time I'd experienced really free form movement in a safe space with amazing music and great people. And it just shifted something inside of me. Like the first time I found yoga, it was like that deep inner knowing like this is something I have to do. And like now it's directing my life course this way and but i had no idea where to dance in salt lake at the time i was kind of in a transition space and i set the intention to myself on the airplane i remember so vividly sitting there and saying i will start an ecstatic dance or a, a dance community in utah or i will move like there is no other option for me it's this fork in the road <laughs> and i thought i was gonna have to do it all myself i was imagining how i'd get djs and a space and then i come home and i think it was one or two days later i was in a yoga class and i got an ecstatic dance salt lake city flyer in my class that zach had dropped off at the yoga studio we didn't know each other at the time and so i went to the second dance ever and was definitely a a regular that would come late and leave early and not look at anyone. It wasn't really much of a community then. It was maybe seven to ten people dancing in a room and no opening or know, closing yeah. circle. I didn't even know what that really was. <laughs> kind of like, well, come back, tell your friends, you know. So I did. I t I asked him if he wanted help spreading the word about it, and that's when we, uh, yeah, started just getting to know each other, and then we started dating, and then here we are. For almost four years you later. You just wanted to get into dance for free. <laughs> yeah, saved so much money <laughs> over the years. We were, we, you know, we, uh, like she didn't Tyler's know that we did it on the leisure. we did it on the gift at first. So <laughs> she, she only knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Your dance was totally by donation in the beginning. It was. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I just I didn't know, and this is something fascinating. Is I was like. I don't know how if is this am I doing it well enough? I, I, I it was like an experiment for me. And what was really cool for me is that one, you, I didn't have to pay you anything in order to learn the things. Uh, and uh, at the same time, I was able to partner with uh, some people in the beginning with a DJ, as well as with the yoga teacher, as well as with the front door person. Well, actually, I was the front door person, mm -hmm. and uh, and the space. So it and we ended up just splitting it essentially. 
the, whatever money came in, I would use for advertising uh, my portion. And then a third went to the space and then a third went to the artist. And these were very mm -hmm. small amounts of money in the beginning, especially with it being gift-based. But then the gift-based element also uh, helped it create momentum because nobody knew what the heck that should cost or what it should be, like how long should I show up for. And we weren't really sure how the DJs were doing. We were, you know, we had the format that you created uh, from your experiences, obviously, with experiencing powerful ecstatic dances. You came up with a formula of sorts as an invitation into directions that this can go. And what I loved about it is that you used multiple different contexts. So like the length of time in the lifespan, different emotional spectrums. And maybe you want to talk about what the heck is ecstatic dance and how is it different than just going and listening to techno music at a nightclub, for example? Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's totally free form. So there's no one there telling you how to move or what to do. Uh, there's no verbal guidance from a teacher. Um, it's also different in that there's no talking. And this is a huge difference in, in nightclubs uh, or festivals. Um, it allows us to go much deeper in our own experience of the music and movement. Um, yeah, as soon as we start hearing words, we collapse all of infinity into this little idea, this little word. And we also get really curious. Our brain says, oh, what are they talking about? You know, is, should I be paying attention? Uh, are they talking about me or whatever comes up? Um, so there's no talking. Um, there's no shoes, so we can connect deeper with the ground um, take off that layer of rubber and plastic between us and the ground. Uh, helps us be more primal. Um, that's a simple one. Um, also more bones in the feet than any other part of the body. And mm. the way that those bones shift change the whole fascial structure and totally. speak so much to our brain. Our brain reacts so deeply to that. So having our shoes, like it would be like if we took our hands and just put boxing gloves on and we're just <laughs> functioning throughout the world, our sensitivity would be dramatically decreased. That's true. The only exception for that is if you have a medical condition for your feet, you know. Um, but yeah, there's no talking on the dance floor, no shoes, and no booze or drugs. So we encourage people to show up as they are um, so that you can have your own experience, your own therapy, your own um, religious experience, whatever you want to name it. Um, but it's just you and yourself, just dressed as you are. Um, yeah. It's very simple. We try to keep it as, as simple as possible and as free as possible. The other thing is just respect the space, respect other people's space, respect your own space. Um, that one gets a little trickier, you know, when, when people want to dance super huge, um, but other people might feel uh, not safe with that. Or if everyone's laying down at the ground in the very end and someone wants to stomp on the ground. Um, but mo for the most part, it's um, those simple guidelines. No shoes, no booze, no chit chat. I remember that it, and I was, <laughs> I've grown to appreciate the, I, I think Noam Chomsky calls it, you know, uh, communistic anarchy in a way, in the sense that like the group will constantly find the level of, uh, order that it's really seeking. Um, and that may change like what the rules may be one time. Like, are we cool with someone stomping around while everybody else is on the ground? Maybe okay one day and not another day. Mm -hmm. And we have to trust eventually as the community begins to create, be become the spirit becomes one. There becomes a spirit of the dance uh, that there becomes an actual zeitgeist of the dance of each individual dance. They're all different mm -hmm. in a way, like what yeah. happens at one dance and what's okay may not be at another. Like, uh, which I find that there's an intelligence that happens and people become attuned to that intelligence. And when something happens that's outside of that, we ask ourselves, are we going the right way with this? Like, is this the, is this the way this wants to go? And you could feel it. And we've experienced where someone would start wrestling or something in the middle of like the ambient music. And, you know, and <laughs> Madeline thought, well, this seems off, you know? And I didn't even think I just acted from a place of just like clarity, like, oh, this is not okay in here. You know, and just kind mm. of gently tapped the person on the shoulder and said, like, please, no wrestling in here. Like, it was wrestling dancing, you know, that that middle ground. But it was clear the energy wasn't fitting into the space. And then it, it might be later in the journey. Other people out of their, out of their dance um, and making people feel uncomfortable. You know, I can really feel the energy of the space and how people move around and sense in there. And it's 
It's and a, sometimes a degree of discomfort is great. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 this constant, are we going the right way? And we don't know. A lot of people try to put, I don't know if this has happened to you, Tyler, but try to put you in this role, or at least me, I've experienced this. Uh, I'll speak first person here, which is another thing about ecstatic dance. When you're sharing in circle to speak in the first person, I've experienced where people try to put on to me that I'm supposed to be creating the rules of this dance space and that I am personally liable if relationships don't work out, if somebody tried to dance with them that they didn't really feel comfortable with, somehow like me and the volunteers that are part of this are somehow responsible and should be blamed for doing that, as well as get all the credit sometimes when things go really well, in which both of those situations, I often don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm also trying to trust and become more attuned to this sensitivity and this intelligence that happens when you bring a group of people together in ceremony, in ritual, twice or three times a week in many cases. Have you experienced this? Yeah, there's there's a, a lot that's being asked of us as space holders. And we're... You know, we're here to help people to learn for themselves. This is, dance is a metaphor for life. You know, whatever's going on for you in your own life, if you, if you have really strong boundaries, if you have really loose boundaries, if you have a hard time saying no, if you like to isolate yourself, like this will show up on the dance floor. And it's a great place to learn your, your habits and tendencies and preferences and to work with it in a safe space. So it's, yeah, it's a metaphor for life. Um, you know, ecstatic dance has some, um, some relation with Burning Man in its uh, sense of inclusivity, that we're all included. Uh, also self, radical self-reliance. Um, so, you know, as space holders, we're there, like if, if, if they can't work it out themselves, if they need some help, if they need some reflection, a mediator, uh, then we can step in and take people off the dance floor and have a little conversation with them. I, I liked that you talked about how the dance floor is a metaphor for life. And what I also really loved and felt deeply moved by was when I saw the words that went along with the experience that I experienced when I had reached these states of ecstatic consciousness that happened through dance, uh, where the dance journey that the artist was playing, the, 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 the artist, the, the DJ in this case, is almost acting as like an instrument of the divine and following a journey of life. So creating another metaphorical journey during the dance experience. Can you talk about the ecstatic dance wave or the ecstatic dance journey, how it starts and where it goes and what it's trying to uh, invoke in somebody? Sure. Yeah, we basically have a, a, a simple wave format, you know, much like five rhythms, um, in that we start off slow and we we build gradually up into both tempo peaks and intensity peaks, and this can we can have num a number of a number of peaks, a number of waves. Uh, we don't have any strict rules around. Um, the format, except that we, we start slow and we end slow and we expect, really we expect a variety um, of emotions, of tempos, of genres, and so that we can experience all that life has to offer. And sometimes I, I tell the DJs that, listen, treat this dance as a lifespan, a human lifespan, and imagine all the different experiences we have in life. You know, if we don't have a chance to reach joy or sorrow um, or silliness or sexiness, um, then we've missed something in life. So give us an opportunity to experience all that life has to offer through the music. Um, and so, yeah, treat the beginning like we're, we're in the womb. We're, you know, preconception and we're in the womb. Maybe the first beat that drops is the heartbeat. Uh, either of the mother or or your heartbeat um, after you're born, and then imagine the the kind of music you'd want in the beginning of your life, in the you know when you're just a, an infant, and then as you're starting to explore and and get more curious, you you want you start to to get out there in the world and new rhythms start coming and new sounds. Um, yeah, maybe there's a time later in life where you're in the job all the time, and that's the staccato they would talk about, and that's the the steady beat, you know, this rhythm 
uh, maybe it's a little boring or or <laughs> or maybe it gets super tribal and until it gets into chaos and a midlife crisis um and and you you reach your elder years and there's some some pop remixes and some nostalgia for the <laughs> for the past um you know and then and then if there's time you go back again you start over you can get reborn you can have a, a second youth um and and build up to another peak and come back down and this could happen in our lives as well exactly and this could happen also what you're describing um i've also heard an ecstatic dance journey be described as the courtship process leading up to uh climax and sex and intimacy and then down into like being carried uh at the end of that experience which oftentimes in our culture at least i could speak for myself is that i feel like it's so directed at just the climax and it's like almost like life is just a series of climaxes you know i go to another event where they're playing music and it's just they call it bangers which is kind of interesting <laughs> that a banger would be the yeah. same thing as banging somebody like it's like that same act you know uh banging your head or you know like that they're so it's really intense and yeah. powerful it's it's tempting for a lot of djs and dancers as well to just want those peak experiences and we've been training them to also enjoy that the the anguish and the sorrow and the the sadness and, and to dance that too and that can allow for higher states of ecstasy yeah we lose uh we lose our reference point if everything right. is just all peaks yeah then there are no peaks by definition and i think our nervous system actually as a self-repair mechanism essentially becomes either traumatized and dissociated or it becomes numb by extreme stimulation and all of our kind of our, the way that our phones work and all of these apps. And if you look, I don't know if you've watched any movies recently, like the kind of blockbuster movies. I mean, I can't even follow it. I'm still dealing with whatever, you know, crazy thing has happened two minutes ago. I can't even process the next thing. Mm. And uh, and I think what's so beautiful about ecstatic dance is that you, you start to really feel the areas of your life that need some nourishing. And you feel in those moments that boredom is... Uh, essentially the fact that you, you're not, haven't allowed yourself the ability to appreciate whatever that is. And you'll start to feel your thoughts even go in different places along with the music. And you're like, whoa, what is it? Is it, is it, am I just against walking down the sidewalk? Like, am I against, you know, uh, journaling? Am I, against, you know, like, w what is that? Or you may be really terrified of uh, the intensity, the climax. You know, mm -hmm. I remember... There was a time where somebody played a Rage Against the Machine remix of, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, you know, I think it was that song, Killing in the Name of, Fuck you, That's I you won't do, do what, what you, you tell me. me. Yeah. And like somebody <laughs> came out to me and was like screaming at me like, Fuck this, this is unbelievable. You can't play in this thing. I'm in a very enlightened state and this is fucking bullshit. And I'm like, I'm like, you know... I, you you're not seeing that this is exact like that playing is showing you that you're trying to mask this shadow element of your eventually this person ended up having to be asked to leave ecstatic dance they would come come back and something else would upset them and they continue to get upset but whenever that music would play that was really intense it would pull that shadow element out that they've been trying to mask yeah you know and again it's maybe we could talk about this is ecstatic dance although we want to be inclusive sometimes it's it's not everybody can are in a place yet to be able to experience the freedom and to be able to experience the part of the shadow that ecstatic dance can bring up because it's truly a healing modality. Yeah, it's interesting because we don't have, um, well, ecstatic dance, uh, people go to it for so many different reasons. Um, you know, our intention is to create a safe and sacred space for people to move however they wish. And so for some people, that means that they're, they're just purely for exercise. And they want, those people usually want a lot of up-tempo songs and they want to get their sweat on and get some cardio. You know, other people are there to have uh, some therapy, to, to listen to that voice inside their head, to reflect on their, their past week, um, either solo therapy or group therapy with others. Uh, other people, it's a social thing, and they want to meet people and dance with people, uh, see their friends. And for others, it's a it's a religious experience. It's prayer. 
and uh, they're connecting with their higher self and and with God, with Source, and um, so that it makes the direction of the music really, really, you know, people want different things for the music. And so people experience all of these things, yes, and, and mm-hmm. continue to deepen all of these things as they continue to come. You know, yeah, it's true, and and. So, you know, during any dance, everyone's going to get offended at some point around the music. This is too cheesy or this is too dark or this is too intense or not intense enough. You know, everyone's going to have a moment where uh, you get to decide, you know, is this something that I'm not ready for? and I'm going to take myself off the dance floor Um, or am I going to treat this like a practice and as a reflection tool and to ask myself, yeah, why don't I like this song? Why don't I like feeling this emotion? And to work with it, to to move with it, to inquire and and witness what's happening. That's when someone's really in the practice of ecstatic dance. I know that's why we call it conscious dance, because we're taking this unconsciousness that we're not sure why I, I feel this way and and bring it into our consciousness. Like, oh wow. I'm I'm remembering this 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 time of my life and it brings up this uncomfortable feeling and but that's not present here. Maybe I can work with it. Maybe I can be okay and find forgiveness and and healing. Or I can just complain to the DJ like why did you play that song? You know. I'm sure it's the DJ's <laughs> fault. <laughs> it usually is. Yeah. Every time, you know, I just I I I actually blame Avani anytime something yeah. goes wrong, you know, like my that's for what? DJ. Yeah, for whatever reason, like you know, the change of address on one of my credit cards doesn't happen. I'm like, damn it, Ivani! Mm-hmm. It's all Ivani's fault. Why did he do that? Oh <laughs> you know, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's profound. You know, I, it's it's interesting through this conversation, through this dialogue, I'm learning new elements, and I think that's what's so beautiful about when truths are spoken, is that all of a sudden there's uh, the language like a grammar that goes along with the experiences that I've experienced. And this Mm -hmm. is one of the cravings that I really have with ecstatic dance right now. I think this is the part that I'm in. When I first came to ecstatic dance, it was like reflection. I had moved out of an extremely masculine life uh, up for the first 33 years of my life. And I experienced a death of sorts. And, uh, and it was through that death that I just started doing all sorts of different things. So like, maybe this is it. Like I, like Mm -hmm. whatever it was that was moving me before just didn't do it anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm now starting to incorporate a lot of the more deeply masculine elements back in. I think even this podcast is a reflection of, of, uh, the masculine and feminine kind of, uh, of myself, the anima and animus, if you want to use Jungian terminology, the conjunction, the conjunction, if you want to use alchemical, uh, (laughs) language, but to have these languages, to even have those words that I just said, you, you know, I, I encourage people not to shy away from newness, from new words, from new music, from new emotions, from new mm-hmm. feelings. Like that's shying away from your wholeness. Uh, yeah. We, out of fear, likely so, like likely and, and rightly so. I mean, a lot of people have trauma when something new is happening. It's usually accompanied by, or often accompanied, if you're my experience, accompanied by shame or by somebody ridiculing you. You play football the first time, you know, and you're not mm-hmm. doing really well with it. You dance for the first time and someone teases you. Mm-hmm. As a man, you might ask a woman out to dance and she laughs at you and says you have two left feet and people create this identity that's totally false that they're not a dancer. It'd mm-hmm. be like somebody having like a bad experience with sex and deciding that they're not a sexer, you know? They're not a fucker or whatever it is, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, it, it's... I think it's terrible that people identify allow themselves to identify with the fact that they can't dance Mm -hmm. and maybe you want to speak to there's someone probably listening to this podcast that's like super stimulated intellectually by the words that we're talking about and speaking to dance like okay i get the whole dance thing i don't actually need to do it i've already i've labeled it i've got it in my head okay i can imagine Mm -hmm. myself dancing cool i got what i needed from that dance thing can you speak to them maybe and like what they could get from actually participating in the dance how that how that could open them up yeah we do get people who are worried about uh dancing and you wondering if they can do it and how they're gonna be perceived and usually those fears are alleviated right away um but sometimes it takes some encouragement for me to reassure them that no one's going to be watching you Um, there's a saying you know dance like no one's watching and um, 
And it's true. People are in, in their own process. Um, you know, so, and, and nothing's too strange really. Um, so if, if you would just want to stand there and, and, and move in really tiny, small ways, you can do that. If you want to move in disjointed, wacky ways, roll around on the floor, um, jump up and down, but you know, everything goes. So some people say, I, I can't dance. I mean, it's like, well, can you move? Can you, can you walk? Uh, then you can dance. I and, think people are afraid that they're not the best at something, or at least not in the upper echelon. And there people, are some sure. people that are told that if you're not, I mean, this is our whole schooling system, is if you're not able to be one of the achievers, you don't even deserve to do it at all. Like, who are you mm -hmm. to even disgrace other people with the presence of not being, this is the, this is our whole schooling system. And, and then people don't do things that they're, you know, not immediately, mm -hmm. quote unquote, objectively from the outside good at. Mm -hmm. But there is no mimicry that someone's trying to mimic with ecstatic dance. This is an internal healing process. Right. And I found myself going into where maybe objectively it looked like I was dancing really well. And I, you know, I could even hear my own dialogue in my mind. Oh, wow, Zach, you've really started to dance really well. And then the next month, I'm like dancing in ways I'm like, well, this is super weird. But at the same time, I feel this deep healing happening, uh, mm -hmm. you know. Well, yeah, there's the performance, like wanting to be the best. Um, you know, dance, unfortunately, has gotten into a, a place of performance in, in our and society. competition, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's this belief that you have to do it on stage and you have to be the best. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an act that people watch and then perform so that people are watching them. And yeah, this is a total internal process of movement. Mm -hmm. So it's not based on how good it looks at all. It's about your experience inside expressing itself. And in society, we are have been so limited on what types of movement are allowed. Like, you can just try this out yourself. Go to the grocery store and walk around with your arms over your head. <laughs> you know, uh... That that's gonna cause security to come over and 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 you know just just waving your arms over your head, mm -hmm. you know people are like what's wrong? What are, you know what's what what are you doing? You're causing people to feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and that's one of the first things I usually like to do is just to let my arms start moving around over my head, clearing my head space, and um, yeah. So we really encourage people to be weird and wacky and mm -hmm. and and get some different patterns of movement. You know, everyone walking down the street are walking in a very similar way. Mm -hmm. No one's sidestepping or walking backwards. Um, I'd love it if people were even skipping down the street, mm -hmm. you know, or, or walking in, in zigzags. And, but everyone's going the most efficient way possible, you know, from point A to point B. And, and dance, it's, not, it's, a, it's a journey. It's, it's, not a, it's not a, you know, how do I get there most efficiently? I mean, it is a very fast way to achieve your, your, your goals and your, your prayers. Uh, yeah, speaking but, of the, yeah. <laughs> the prayers, like the prayerful part of it and how you said that some people are having a spiritual experience, I really feel like that's what dance has become for me. And a lot of people will call, especially Sundays, dance, dance church, because it really feels like this prayerful spiritual gathering without dogma around it. Um, so... One thing I did notice, though, is that in my experience, I was Catholic for a number of years, and I was a very good Catholic, and I'd go to church every Sunday, and I'd show up, and I had this internalized God figure saying, good girl, good girl, you did it right, or oh, bad girl, you did that thing you're not supposed to do, you know, and then that transformed. You hung out with Zach. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> so, and then that practice, I, I kind of let go of. Christianity in my early 20s and when I found yoga and then I found yoga and I felt so free and I felt so amazing and I felt like this is the way we heal from the inside out and yet I still I kind of replaced that internalized God form by some sort of guru figure or my yoga teachers even saying mm -hmm. good girl good pose way to go you know and there was always this constant seeking of approval and this constant inner observer that was saying whether things were good or bad and it was my whole life was judged on that and I feel like a lot of people in our culture have these sort of like distorted and sometimes unhealthy uh, spiritual foundations where they're given a very judgmental God or whatever it is, a figure that is going to tell them if they're right or wrong. And then 
when we start to get older and we start to question those beliefs, we we lose a part of ourselves. We lose that spirituality. And for me, it bringing it back in in the most healthy way was dance because I was able to see that I was internally judging myself when I went in the dance room, moving in a freeform way, right? No one's telling me what yoga pose to do or which meditation or, you know, how to look even. It was just this freeform way. I see my inner critic, this judge observer, like the internalized God figure telling me, oh, that's good or bad, good or bad. And then as I worked through different ways of moving and moving in like ways that made me more uncomfortable, they were more comfortable to move in a group, I was able to put on like my own higher self, like you were talking about, the higher self of myself, like a really uh, kind of what feels to me like a really wholesome spiritual relationship with myself and cosmic consciousness and the divine or whatever you want to call it um, that's beyond words and language and so now I, I feel like I go into the dance space and especially if I close my eyes because then I'm not as distracted by the other people around me I'm really able to enter that just free form existence and it feels almost like it has a lack of space and time and boundaries and is more just what wants to move through these physical vessels that we're in at the moment and how does my soul want to express itself in this physical vessel um so that's that's beautiful is that all? <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful that's it. yeah <laughs> it sounds like you're entering into a trance state yeah especially the eyes closed i recommend that to anyone who's especially nervous about ecstatic dance or mm -hmm. feels like they have a lot of blocks come up because we're so quick to put ourselves into other person's ideas and thoughts and and judgments um and i've noticed that as much as i love to go to ecstatic dance and smile at people and make connections and even dance with people sometimes the true prayerful place for me is when my eyes are closed because mm -hmm. I'm able to just, it just feels so boundless, really. You're going into your internal landscape then. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beyond the personality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. It sounds like through dance, there's a lot happening. I mean, this is my experience too. Life is a dance and a lot of different psychological beliefs are that they use the metaphor that life is a dance essentially the uh the dance of life and uh also traditions and cultures uh ext ext dancing ecstatically has been part of their culture people have gathered around a drum in order to dance this is still happening in parts of africa and indigenous cultures i just interviewed olux right before here uh the art of ecstasy or the religion of ecstasy essentially originated in Siberia, and that's where the shamans originated, was in Siberia. They still have a shamanic culture there today. And uh, I wanted to talk about maybe uh, you had spent some time, I believe, in India, uh, also uh, with a spiritual teacher who, uh, some. there's been some, I guess, Netflix documentary recently on that, but uh, there's a part that was deeply healing, and a lot of people have found deeply healing from his work, and I wanted to see if you could speak a little bit about ec ecstatic dance at Osho. Sure, yeah. Um, so a lot of Osho's work involves helping the modern human to find no mind, to find meditation. And, you know, the, the, the human condition is a lot more complicated these days. We have so many more experiences and inputs and distractions than we we had you know thousands of years ago, when you could just say, just just sit under a tree, and observe your thoughts. How would you pay rent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whole another conversation there. Yeah, um, but uh, now we we have, you know, we're we've got a civil a society that's very civil, and sometimes we have to hold on to to our emotions. It's not in our job. It's we, we can't express our anger or our frustration or our joy even when it comes up. So, um, you know, Osho came up with a series of um, moving meditations, dynamic meditations, and some of them are, are going into catharsis and, and screaming and yelling and laughing, um, shaking, twirling, and there's often dancing ecstatically. In, in his one-hour um, active meditations. So if you go to, to Pune or any Osho community, there's, there's always dancing outside, inside, uh, during the meditations. 
um, followed by sitting silently and and laying down. Um, and we we also do that at the end of ecstatic dance. You know, the the end of the the wave is is death and afterlife. And ideally, we come into a we have some time to just to go into a timeless meditation of stillness, of peace, and celebrate both the the death that that gives life meaning. Um, especially after having celebrated life you know, so profoundly during the dance. Um, so yeah, I, I really value um, my time there at, at Osho's community and, and learned quite a lot. I'm silent here for a minute because I'm remembering hearing that what ecstatic dance as a movement is growing. I mean, do you even know how many there are approximately? Just some vague idea of how many ecstatic dances that you're, how many are you aware of that yeah, are running I right mean, now? They're, they're probably, they're probably thousands at this point. I just, I just traveled the world for nine and a half months having a little rebirth of my own. And I DJed 33 different ecstatic dances in 20 different countries. And I was just, just blown away by by how many people are so excited to have found this and and are creating this simple space of freedom without talking and shoes and drugs just to dance both uh for their own individual expression and as a place for community to come together mm-hmm. it's it's i mean i love it it's amazing and it's so it's profound to see the spreading all over the world and and part of that is because um, it, it was offered for free, uh, and part of it is because well, it's just you know it's it's dance, and and I think dance is. Um, but if somebody wanted to tithe ten percent to Tyler Blink, they could, right? <laughs> they could donate you know, to ecstaticdance.org. We did play with having a, a church, a religious uh, nonprofit, to start, and it was that was a, like a yeah tithe ten percent because we're we're gonna help help spread this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was just too limiting. And uh, we just decided to have it be a, a charitable nonprofit. And so everything is, is... I've never even heard you ask for donations before, which is fascinating. Yeah, I don't like to. I like things to, to grow on their own. And, and, uh, and I'm kind of a self-starter and get that, you know, Christian work ethic, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. and you can do it yourself and all that stuff. Um, the Calvinistic belief system of the more successful, it goes like this, the more successful you are, it's because you're uh, blessed by God, and that's why you're successful. And if you're not successful, then you're not blessed by God. So therefore, you end up working really, really hard to prove that you're blessed by God. So it keeps you running on that treadmill. That's a Calvinistic treadmill right there. And it's deeply embedded into Americans. People come from other countries to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and like, my God, you guys are working nonstop at all moments, trying to further your your whatever it is that you're going. Like, I could even hear people in their minds going like, well, why would I go to ecstatic dance? Well, I, I go there because I want to get down to seven percent or twelve percent body fat, and you know, <laughs> so I could get become more attractive, so I could get this other job, so I could make more money, or like I could live an extra five years. But it's like, what are you going to do with that extra five years? Keep trying to live an extra five years? Like, mm-hmm. like when do we actually arrive and begin to experience our lives more fully? When do we get to find more beauty in ourselves and our loved ones and in our environment? When do we? When do we be? When are we able to start cultivating those? the things that we really enjoyed as children and that we enjoy in a, to see in other people. Like when we see somebody dancing in a beautiful way, so many people love to watch somebody dance. And what I believe that they're really craving is they're, they're identifying with in some way with the freedom and liberation that's experienced in that person's body. Like mm-hmm. when do we ever get to arrive at a time where we get to cultivate that beauty within ourselves? And I'm not saying this from some hedonistic uh perspective and there's nothing against i don't have anything against hedonism but i'm not saying it that like that's like uh, for some Mm -hmm. people that could be a very deep spiritual path to really take the hedonism all the way to the end and go okay well is this all there is and now i'm really isolated because all i'm doing is caring about myself you know it could teach you a lot and and, you know in and of its own right Mm -hmm. uh 
But what I found so valuable with Ecstatic Dance, and we talked about it before the podcast began, was uh, it said on the little flyer thing that I created because I just copied it from yours. And it said, well, I didn't even create it. That's even too... I didn't. I started this. I wasn't a DJ. I wasn't a yoga teacher. didn't have a space. didn't have any money saved up. I was at my lowest economic position. I had moved to a new city. I, I was basically the perfect person to do it. You know? That's how we started. I was, I was homeless. <laughs> you yeah. were homeless. Yeah, we started yeah, I was on living our in my cards. office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about that too. But what I, that I saw, I remember on this flyer that you, that you sent, and I put it on there too begrudgingly because it looked stupid with just two things. It said music, movement, and then the last thing was community. And I, I didn't quite understand that piece. You know, community, I thought, it's just a, I thought that's a place you go on Facebook where you click community mm-hmm. and there's people and they put things there. That's what community was to me. Uh, I say that only half jokingly. Uh, I think what I craved for with church mostly, I mean, I, con- I craved a connection with a divine being and that I don't just die and never exist again and came here for some no purpose at all and fighting against entropy, which I'm sure to lose against for no reason at all. Like, I also craved to get rid of that terrible story Mm -hmm. uh but i also crave to connect with other people and share meaning and like share experiences and participate in something and i would often find i would go to a church and i would like kind of overdo things or like you're supposed to be the fisher of men and i like built the youth group up and it's like bigger than the congregation at that time this is when i was 15 and all of a sudden people are like why are you bringing all these terrible people to the church i'm like i don't know i'm just it says bring people i'm bringing people (laughs) but what i think i was really craving was community that Mm -hmm. third thing that looked ridiculous on that flyer and maybe you could talk a little bit about uh how you felt traveling throughout the world to places you've never been where people did you feel like you belonged in these places did you feel like you were able to connect with people that didn't even speak with your language through dance and this idea of whatever this ecstatic dance movement that is happening through all of us yeah, I mean, music is an is an international language, and so is movement. So it's an interesting type of community because we're not talking. We're not sharing our beliefs and our ideas, our thoughts. Uh, we're just moving together. And so you end up knowing people in a totally different way. Like seeing you on the dance floor, I know how you experience joy. and And if I've seen you experience sorrow... I have a whole different uh, empathy for you and, and understanding of, of who you are and how you express yourself. Um, so oftentimes I know people really well, but I don't know their names mm-hmm. or even like what their voice sounds like or you know what thoughts are going on inside their heads. And sometimes they we talk after dance and they open up their mouths and I'm like, oh, wow, I don't have anything in common with you. But... <laughs> And I'm not sure I want to, I, I don't know if I want to hang out with you afterwards, but on the dance floor, we totally connect and, and our bodies move in similar ways and our emotions are attuned. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating experience of community. It's really a bunch of different communities coming together, a bunch of individuals coming together. And, you know, there's no, there's no force of, of you've got to join the community. You know, a lot of, some people just come and dance and leave. And and no one no one's hanging out after, um, um, or you know people get married because they meet someone on the dance floor. Uh, it's 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 fascinating. There's no rules there, so it's whatever you want to make of it. I've also found that really really um, helpful in traveling to other places and knowing people that a place where you can go to just feel comfortable and at home and surrounded by people, but. Again, the no drugs or alcohol makes it feel super safe. And it's just this immediate feeling of like, oh, I'm home and uh, home wherever I go, basically, because there's ecstatic dances in pretty much every major city now. And, um, you know, in our ecstatic dance in Salt Lake City, because of the just happenstance of the location we're at now, which is a Krishna temple in downtown Salt Lake, they had a big plot of land behind. And so as a kind of offspring of the dance community started this whole permaculture community that started a garden behind there that's produced, you know, 5,000 pounds of food last year and has been able to feed the community. And so I feel like there's something that's like waking up in all of us. It's sort of this collective dream to live more in harmony with the land and in harmony with each other and to help each other out. And I meet so many people, strangers and friends alike around the world that are totally 
having the same vision as we all do. You know, it's even waking up in you now, Tyler. <laughs> it's, it's coming, coming out. out. It's coming out. What's expressive? So I know exactly. <laughs> so I feel like ecstatic dance is sort of a. It's a really. Um, it's a, like it's a seed planting in all these places around the world for how people that are having this similar vision can come together. And even if that's just once a week, and then we can start to share our gifts in different ways and share our offerings. And then maybe we get land together. Maybe we garden together. And uh, it just seems like the first step towards a future that we're all really dreaming of. It's a great way to experience unity. Mm-hmm. It's like, the individual freedom and the communal group experience. It's happening both simultaneously. Totally. And so, yeah, oftentimes that goes and and expands beyond the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful that the community can keep expanding like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, dance is one of the most profound things or maybe contained within dance is contained everything. Uh, there's a awesome Irish proverb that I heard Michael Mead say, Michael Mead's the mythologist, and he says, there's an Irish proverb that says, before you give a man a gun, you must teach him how to dance. <laughs> and maybe, and that doesn't mean like you teach him two-step or you teach him whatever, but before a man should carry a gun, he should have known himself well enough to be able to feel embodied and feel all of that spectrum of emotions. Because if they were, they would recognize, I believe, other people, they would recognize themselves in other people and they'd be way less likely to grab a gun and shoot them and be controlled. And the thing is, when you're hitting, when you're diving into the ecstatic and you're and you're liberating your body and your mind in these ways that happen, it it's like the dance in and of itself is a prayer. And then what happens through the music and through bringing yourself in ritual and ceremony to this place with others is healing happens. It's not something you do. The part that you do is bringing your body to the place with the intention of healing. That's it. That's really all you can do. Anything you try to do on top of that may actually get in the way of it. So it's that constant dancing with yourself of how do I get out of the way so that the healing could actually happen. But if that were to happen, I believe a lot of people would be waking up even further. And it sounds almost paradoxical or or, or contradictory that in a time where things are so apocalyptic, where our climate and culture are are reeling, right? That the most important thing maybe people could do is to stop for a moment and go, okay, whatever I'm doing is, am I going the right way? You know, like this, like that story with the elders that I spoke about earlier, am I going the right way? Maybe I should go dance a little bit, find out what's going on. And through dancing, I can find out, oh, this hurts or this is stuck or gosh, you know, like I don't feel like I'm moving towards chaos or I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just lying in the corner. There's so much that that feedback gives me. Be, I mean, it's so much beyond what I'm saying right now from the verbal level. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I think there's a deep value though in attempting to put these words together and attempting to participate in creating a new language. Uh, really, this is the first time in a long time, maybe ever, that maybe probably it existed within the English language before, but even the English language is different than it's been before. I mean, England has conquered so many different places and absorbed their cultures within the words themselves. So the very language that I'm using to explain this type of this type of experience that happens is different than it's ever been before. It's both ancient and new. The Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao, Zach. You can't yeah. just bypass me like that. <laughs> <laughs> and now we will sit in silence and put on some music for you all to dance. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Tyler, I wanted to maybe finish up this podcast uh, talking about uh, there is ecstaticdance.org, which b- attempts to create the opportunity for the different dances to have a central hub where people mm-hmm. could find a dance, where people could start a dance, uh, and other things that I don't even know what this is going to do. I'm, it's supposed to come out in January, I believe. Yep. And uh, what, can you tell us more about what ecstaticdance.org, the, the, reha- the, the next generation version 2.0? Yeah, totally. Um, ecstaticdance.org um, is our, our, the nonprofit, basically, that helps dances to start and for them to tell people where they can be found around the world. Um, 
and it started with with me building it in my rudimentary skills on Squarespace, and uh, and people would have to ask me personally, like, hey, can I be on your your website? We're an ecstatic dance, and I would have to vet them and say, like, are you following the guidelines? You know, um, are there are you participating in no shoes, no booze, no chit chat, and 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 all the things. Um, and then I would have to build the site for them and put the picture up and the address and and uh, the cost and all the things. But now I've teamed up with some people at Mon- Montaya and it's an automated s- setup. So uh, people can just enter in their information and it gets populated. Um, it's also allowing DJs to um, make their services available and for people to listen to ecstatic dance sets from uh, different parts of the world. Um, so people will be able to find each other and find dances a lot easier because of this. Great. Yeah. And if you can't spell ecstatic, if you have a hard time with that, um, yeah. you just erotic, go Erotic, you mean? Erotic dance? Exotic. Exotic dance? Uh, erratic dancing? Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, you could just go to edance.org. Oh, Same yeah, thing. Yeah. Ecstaticdance.org, <laughs> edance.org. Oh, same thing. But yeah, January 2020 should be live. And uh, there's a whole new graphic set up. Oh. And yeah, I'm excited about it. So, are you, But are you ecstatic about it? <laughs> <laughs> All the feelings are in there. <laughs> Great. And if you haven't been to an ecstatic dance, you could go to edance.org or if you could expe- if you could spell ecstatic or at least type it into Google, Google will tell you how to spell it probably. Or if it doesn't, it'll take you to a very different type of website. It's uh, interesting. E- lot- ecstatic, E-C-S-T-A-T-I-C, ecstatic, yeah. not static, not yeah, still. Exactly. It's yeah. moving mm-hmm. dance. Although you can sit still if you want. Yeah, there's nothing against because even if you're sitting still, like this table, as we know with modern physics, is that it's not actually still. It only perce- it only appears to be on the outside. It's actually going yeah. through an entra. It's going through an entra. It's true. What, what am I? Can't even say entra. It's going through entropy. There we go. It's like my Herculean. I actually I said it right that time. Your blood's still dancing. Your breath is yeah. dancing. Yeah, or your All thoughts are still now. dancing. Yeah. Probably, if you're really now. still, your thoughts are really moving quickly. You know, <laughs> Stephen Hawking comes to mind. He's so still, but his mind's just like moving at a subtle level through all of all of space. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come down here. I hope that people can, if they're in the Bay Area, come check out your dance in Oakland on Wednesday night on su- in Sunday at the Church of Eight Wheels in San Francisco. It's a unbelievably wild looking space like you went old, back in time old catholic church yeah. with all the stained glass windows totally yep. then fairfax on friday night and of course if you're in salt lake city uh that's wednesday night and then sunday uh morning and afternoon and then we'll be on the big island kalani's on sunday morning and then uh we've got what is b dance friday night and then garden temple thursday night there's dances yeah. all over Just go, this kalani. is why you need to go to edance.org yeah. and kalani that's the that's the home base that's the yeah. original on the big island of hawaii kalani I'll be DJing there too in the 2020. Great. That's awesome. I'll and Madeline will be DJing. On, uh, December 29th. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Love hey, you thank guys. You. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And please follow us to hear future episodes where we discuss topics such as alternative states of consciousness achieved through dance, intention, and shamanic practices, sacred economics, dream work, trauma healing building community, permaculture, healthy and compassionate living and eating practices, somatic and alternative healing modalities, politics, psychology, mythology, and more. Our work is focused on the liberation of spirit, a return to the sacred, which is a constant collective inquiry. We aim both in person and on this podcast to plant and water the seeds of liberation from economic inequality, trauma, systemic conditioning, addiction, loss of soul, loss of meaning, hopelessness, helplessness, isolation, shame, nightmares, guilt, and a return to glimpses of your birthright, of dignity, joy, community, collaboration, equality, and constantly beautifying new world where you are not alone. And always, if you're ever in the Salt Lake City area, come join us for yoga, dance, or in the garden. A community of beautiful souls are here to welcome you. 
We gather in community Wednesday, 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. and Sunday, 11 to 3 p.m. And we have a vegan brunch or vegan dinner after every event. Our gatherings are all ages and are of no religious affiliation. We look forward to seeing you.